It's great to be back on Search the Scriptures once again with all of our listeners. What a blessing it is for us to be able to be together each day here in the program and do exactly as the name suggests, search the scriptures of God's Word. If you're listening for the very first time, we hope that you will quickly become impressed with the fact that we do search the scriptures of God's Word. We dig deep, we look at them in detail. As we say, we try to peel the layers of the onion back, so to speak. We try to see the richness and the depth of God's communication to us, all that he offers us through his word. And oh, how powerful his word is. You know, the word of God is powerful to salvation. The Apostle Paul said in in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, he's saying that's to everybody. The gospel is powerful to lead everybody who will follow those teachings, who will heed that call. It's powerful to lead everybody who will avail themselves of the opportunity and to, again, respond properly to those teachings, able to lead them to salvation. The power of God is in his word to lead us to salvation. It's interesting how Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. He said, And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The holy scriptures, able to make him wise for salvation. And of course, they're able to make us wise for salvation because they contain God's teachings as to how we come to salvation. And that's the gospel again. So if you're listening for the first time, we do hope, we pray, that you will quickly become impressed with the fact that we really do teach God's word in depth, in detail, and yet we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. We want to help you get to heaven. That begins with God's word. Now, some people might say it begins with faith. Well, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So in order to have faith, we first have to understand something about what God's word teaches according faith to be. And so faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Now, once the faith is established, then as we continue to study God's word together, your faith should be growing deeper, stronger, fuller. And ultimately, it should motivate you to want to come to God to have a closer relationship with him, but also to want to come to him for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ, his Son, and your Lord and Savior. Now, our prayer is that you will come to him his way, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ openly, and surrendering to him as your Lord and Savior in baptism for the remission of your sins. And then... As you come up out of that grave of water that we call baptism, having been completely buried with him therein, you will be, as Jesus told Nicodemus has to happen, born again. You will have been born again. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. As the Apostle Paul puts it, you will have been made a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Now, 
very descriptive terms. In other words, what they're saying is, you will have been given a new start. Would you like to have a start over? Boy, a lot of people would, wouldn't they? Probably most of us would like to have a chance to go back and begin again. Well, we cannot go back, but we can begin again through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we can start that new life, that new beginning, with a new hope. And that is eternal life with him in heaven. So our prayers are with you, and our prayers are indeed for you. We're going to continue today with our study that we began a couple of programs ago, asking the question, what should we do? And particularly, particularly, we're asking, what should we do when we receive unjust criticism that we call destructive criticism about our Christian beliefs and practices? Now, we're all criticized. Every one of us, we get criticized from time to time, and it happens basically all through our lives. Some of that criticism is just. It's needed because we need to have our eyes opened as to something that we have been doing wrong and that we need to correct in order to be right. Well, that could be called constructive criticism if it's done with the right motive and in the right way. And that would be simply somebody trying to show us a better way or pointing out a mistake in our life so that we can correct it and do better. They want to help us, in other words. Some criticism, as we've been saying, is neutral in that it's made by a person who really has no firsthand knowledge of us individually and personally, but they simply recognize something that's in error, and they're simply pointing it out from a neutral perspective as to a mistake. But then what we're really focusing on, again, is the destructive criticism, the unjust, ungodly criticism that is leveled against us out of, a, out of, out of an ungodly motive. Those individuals are criticizing us to tear us down, to hurt us emotionally, to cause us pain, cause us problems in our life. Now, they may be criticizing something that we've made a mistake on, the bases may be correct, but their motive is ungodly. And so they're trying to damage our integrity. And perhaps in the process, they have the goal of building themselves up by tearing us down. So that's what we're really focusing on. And, and particularly as they're criticizing our Christian beliefs and practices. And there's a whole lot of that going on in this country and around the world today. There are people who are atheists, and they seem to be becoming more numerous and more bold in their confrontations with Christianity. And so name-calling, perhaps, just trying to rip us apart because of our blind faith, as they call it, when you start to examine some of their philosophical positions, you find out that their faith in those positions is blind, but they level that charge against us. Maybe they make claims against God, about God, how, how could a, 
loving God allow things to happen that are so bad in our world? Well, that's not on God. That's sin. That's on mankind. But then there are others who are skeptics. There are agnostics. And there are even people who would say they believe in God, but they don't like organized religion. I wonder if they've ever thought about why God would have sent his son to this earth to establish organized religion in the form of the church, if organized religion wasn't important to our salvation. Well, they probably haven't thought it through that carefully. But they criticize nonetheless. And then there are people who believe they are very devoted to God and they're trying to live what they understand to be a Christian life, but they don't like something that we believe as Christians, that we understand the scriptures to teach. And so they may, in a very ungodly way, criticize us and put us down for our beliefs. Well, again, all of these matters, they require a particular focus on our part. How do we respond to destructive criticism? Well, as we pointed out in our assessment, first we need to honestly examine ourselves. Is the basis for their criticism valid? Am I wrong in whatever way that they're criticizing me to be wrong? Now, not the motive. If it's destructive criticism, the motive is probably wrong and ungodly. But is the basis for what they're saying, is that correct? And if it is, I need to correct whatever it is that I'm wrong about. Now that's going to take swallowing some pride, but we need to do that. In Romans chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, we're looking at this as a basic text for answering these, this, this particular question. What should we do in response to ungodly, destructive criticism? Let's go back and read that particular text again. And again, that's Romans chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Paul says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. And I believe that's to mean opinion of yourself. (laughs) or what you believe. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, once we've assessed as to whether the basis for the criticism is just, not the motive necessarily, but the basis, and then we've responded accordingly, the second thing that we need to do is we need to keep in mind to never return evil for evil. Don't let the devil suck us in through using critics with an ungodly motive to goad us into responding in an equally ungodly manner. We can't fall into the devil's trap. 
So, the first thing we noted is, do not set your mind on high things. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 12. Do not set your mind on high things. The idea again being to not be high-minded or seeking prestige or self-glory, arrogance, ungodly pride, basically being a snob. We need to not be arrogant. We need to not be puffed up. The second point from Romans chapter 12 and verse 16 that we need to pick up on is he says, do not set your mind, I'm sorry, be of the same mind toward one another. Be of the same mind toward one another. Um, Look at what he says there, associate with the humble. Now those two would go very well together. Be of the same mind toward one another, associate with the humble. Now if we're going to associate with the humble, what does that require of us? We have to be humble, don't we, in our mind. We need to associate, we need to make friends with, we need to be kind towards those of more humble means than ourselves. If we're only going to associate and be friends with and friendly toward people that are on our equal plane in society, then we're not being humble. We're being arrogant. We're being disdainful. Maybe not openly and outwardly in a verbal way, but we're doing so by conduct. So we need to associate with the humble. We need to... to, uh, have you know the same opinion or 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 respect for everybody around us who is living for God in a godly manner. In James chapter one, James chapter one, and we look at verses nine and ten. James again is a tremendous book. James chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. He says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. James is talking, I believe here, about our relationship in Christ. And Jesus did not come to call the rich, the wealthy, the high-stationed, in society, individual to salvation, he came to seek and to save the lost. And we're all lost without Christ. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. So that's every one of us. Now, what about the lowly brother? The brother who is of low estate. He does not have much money. He has got a menial job. He doesn't have a, you know, a a super nice right up to the current day standards home to live in. His clothes don't have all the right tags on them. We're to look to him with love, compassion, friendship, acceptance, our equal. And that lowly person can glory in his exaltation in Christ. In other words, being exalted to being a son of God or a daughter of God by virtue of their having been baptized into Christ. They are in Christ. They have been saved, and they can exalt in that. Not in an ungodly, prideful kind of way, but they can exalt in that they're saved. 
And the rich brother who becomes a Christian, he can exalt in his humiliation, realizing, hey, it's not my riches that's going to get me to heaven. It's my faith in Christ, my dedication to him, my dedication and service to God, that's going to get me to heaven, my obedience to their teachings. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that rich person needs to realize that as a flower in the field, he's going to pass away. Don't you love to see the flowers bloom in the springtime? Don't you love to see the lilac bushes come to full bloom? Oh, beautiful, aren't they? You better enjoy them real fast because they're only going to last a few days, a few days. What about the tulips when they come up in the springtime? One of the earliest of the blooming flowers. And oh, they're beautiful. Don't last very long, do they? And we could go on and on. Well, that's like the rich person in his state of wealth. He's only going to be here in this world for a short period of time. But he knows that in Christ, he can look forward to eternal life, eternal life. Well, let's look a little further here in verse 16 of Romans chapter 12 and see again what Paul is trying to teach us here. He says, be of the same mind toward one another, associate with the humble, do not set your mind on high things, do not be wise in your own opinion. Do not be wise in your own opinion. In other words, don't be conceited. Don't get carried away with your sense, your sense of self-importance. Oh, we have to be careful about that, don't we? We can fall into the trap that the devil can set for us. And people can praise us, they can compliment us on good work that we've done, and boy, we can let that go to our heads. We can get all lost in our press clippings, so to speak. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So when we get to the point where we think we've made it, we're there, we've got it, we've done all that we're supposed to do, you better be careful. You might be on the brink of falling over the cliff into ungodliness. Do not be wise in your own opinion. You know, I remember, I have a friend who is a preacher and he really was quite a mentor to me in my early years of preaching. And he told me a story one time about he was preaching in a congregation uh, as a visiting preacher, I believe, and people kept coming through the door afterwards as he was shaking everybody out of the building, you know. After the sermon, they were telling him what a good job he did, and he kept saying, I, I know, I know. Next one to come, boy, there's a good sermon. I know, I know. He was, of course, speaking in jest to a great extent. But then an older lady came by, and she didn't say, you did a good job, the sermon was great. She kept hearing him respond to others who were complimenting him by saying, yeah, I know, I know. And she simply said, he who tooteth his own horn may stop getting his horn tooted. <laughs> I hope you get the point there. You keep 
praising yourself, you may stop being praised by others. She taught him a lesson. And even though he was speaking in jest with all the others, he realized he needed to be careful how he was speaking so that he did not come across in a wrong way. We need to not be arrogant. We really do not. In James chapter 4, if we turn over there, James chapter 4, and we look at verse 6, and again, James is so rich in teaching us how to live the Christian life. James 4 and verse 6, he says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then in verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And how much better it is that God would lift us up than we try to strain ourselves and our integrity by lifting ourselves up. In 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. What a great image that is, being clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know, won't that be so much better than we trying to exalt our he- ourselves? And so even in the response to somebody who's criticizing us in an unjust way, an ungodly way, we still need to be careful that we respond in a Christian manner, with Christian character. And we need to be careful that we're not angry with that person to the point that we would lash out in an ungodly fashion, that we would let our anger take us over. Going back to Romans chapter 12, and look at verse 17 there. Repay no one evil for evil. Again, one of the devil's traps that he would try to lure us into if we're not careful. Don't seek revenge or try to hurt that person who hurt you just to try to get back at them. Now, this kind of self-restraint takes courage, and it does take strength, Christian character, spiritual strength, strength of faith. We'll stop and park here for today, and we'll come back and continue our study next time. We do hope you'll continue to study with us, and our prayer is that this is stimulating your thinking and that it is helping you in your spiritual life. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Write down that information and then do that. Contact us. Ask for the free Bible study that we'll send to you through the regular mail. Absolutely free. We'll take care of the postage It can help you get to heaven. And you can receive a copy of today's program on CD. Maybe pass it on to somebody else you know who needs this study. And again, it's free, and we'll take care of the postage. We hope to hear from you right away.